Hey, welcome to Persevere to Excel podcast. I am super, super excited for my guest today. My good old friends that I've been friends with since elementary school. I got Jim and Christopher representing today. How are you guys doing? Not too bad, man. Yeah, doing pretty good. Oh, man. So this time of the year is like, you know, it's, it's a lot of festivity, but sometimes, you know, people... You know, they have a little, a little bit of a hard time during this time of the year. So um, what's your favorite part about this time of the year, guys? Oh, boy. Uh, the food. Getting together. What, what, what kind of food, Jim? What kind of food? Oh, man. I, I know Chris can relate. You know, um, being Dominican, you know, you need to bring out the pernil. You know, roasted oh, yeah. pork. Oof. Yeah, the pork shoulder. Ooh. Pork shoulder. That comes in clutch. Yeah. You leave every that. single event. Yeah. You wow. Need. You're making me feel man hungry right now. So tell me a little bit about the recipe that goes around in, in making this this type of food. Um, well, it's, it's a process and a half. First off, you need to uh, clean up the pork shoulder, you know, with a little bit. Depending. Sometimes people do it a little bit different. You know, salt and vinegar, wash it up a little bit. And then you got to make the sauce, like the paste, which you put in a blender, which is cilantro, uh, garlic. Oh, man, I'm feeling uh, hungry tomato, right now. You know, a little bit of vinegar with oregano, you know, t- uh, tomato uh, tomato paste. You put that in a blender. After a while, you grab that and it's a rub. You put it on there and then you leave it in the oven for at least at least five hours. You let that baby cook. Wow. Yeah, if you really if you really want to get it like a good good flavor in there, you let it sit very low heat pretty much all day. Like yep. you, pretty much like a turkey would, yep. you know, if you want it to come out juicy and everything, leave that leave that pork shoulder in all day, man. Yep. Wow, wow. Well, that that was an amazing introduction, you know. We started <laughs> yeah. off right with food, but I'm I'm super happy to have you guys on uh this episode because I've known you guys so for such a very long time, and we we all migrated to this community where we live in here in Manchester, New Hampshire, and um, we all connected with each other because we, we were foreigners trying to find our, our path and try to find our way, and we've all been able to kind of move forward in life and in different opportunities and different occupations that we've taken. But in this podcast, I, I want to talk about, like, you know, where that bond came from for one another. You know, we created that bond as, as foreigners who were in this EL class together in fifth grade. And um, over the years, we've continued to be really good friends. But I would love to kind of, we'll go in a circle and we'll start with Christopher. Sit, tell us a little bit about who you are, your background, and how you ended up in New Hampshire. Super high level. Oh, man. So, uh, yeah, I was born in Puerto Rico. Um, grew with, uh, Grew up mostly with my mom and my sister, you know. A lot of, a lot, a lot of family, you know, a lot of cousins and everything. Um, I would see my dad on the weekends and everything, you know, that was, that was a little rough, uh, you know, getting used to that. And then I don't know where my mom wanted to move out here. You know, we first, we went off to, uh, to Worcester, Mass, uh, lived out there for a couple of years. Um, that was probably when I was about nine years old and then somehow ended up in Manchester, New Hampshire out of all places, man. That's that's incredible. That's awesome, man. It's, and it, and it sounds like that that's kind of the journey. We all end up here somehow, and we got to find our way. What about you, Jim? How did how did you end up in New Hampshire? So I'm originally from the Dominican Republic. Um, I was born and raised out there. Um, my mom and dad came out here when I was about two years old, um, and they came out here with my brother and sister. They originally moved to the Bronx. Um, after a while, I 
approximately until I was 10 or so. I lived in the Dominican with my grandmother. Uh, my mom wanted me to come up here, so I uh, began the um, immigration process and everything else. I came here in uh, 2000. Um, in New Hampshire, at all places, it was more um, just us trying to get out of the city, a bigger city, and finding opportunities in a place like Manchester where, you know, unlike New York, you could fall deep into you know, into the bigger city, you know, holes, you know what I mean? And, and our, you know, my mom wanted us to get away from all of that, you know, and that's why we ended up, you know, up here. So that's that's wild, man. Yeah. And you guys know my story. I, you know, I came out of the, the Congo and lived as a refugee for two years after my father was assassinated. And um, we ended up getting selected. And New Hampshire was the place yeah. we got selected and Manchester was a spot. So in, in our ESL class. It was such a diverse class. We had Bosnians, Nigerian, yeah. um, Kosovo, Sudanese, uh, Sierra Leoneans, Puerto Rican, Dominican. We, we had everybody. Yeah. And it's, it's so fascinating because the entire school was not diverse. Only the EL classes were diverse. And we were able to kind of find our, um, our, our grounding through, through that experience. So what was that like, you know, for to be in this class where everybody are from yeah. all over different places? Yeah, um, it, it, you know what? It was, it was fun. Um, it, it was it, it was pretty good. Um, I, you know what? I think it, more than anything, it was an eye opener for for all of us being in there. Um, because when we came in here, none of us pretty much knew what we were in for. Right. You know, um, my partner, uh, well, my classmate next to me was Bosnian. You know, none of us spoke English. You know, we communicated in hand signals. You know, right, right, I no, speak, for sure. You know, I yeah. speak Spanish to him, and he speaks Bosnians back to me. You know, and and I think that's what you know brought us together because I think even though we come from different parts of the world, we we all bounded. You know, in in a very unique way. You know, which is it's and it's something that you can't describe when you put two people that you know never met and don't relate in any you know, aspect, you know, whatsoever. And somehow, some way, you know, you're able to get along and build this relationship. No, that's you know? true. No, that, that's a good point, Jim. And I think that what connected us was the fact that we all came from a different place and we were looking for this new opportunities, right? Yeah, our absolutely. families brought us here for a better life. And I always tell this story. It was so fascinating. Some of our Bosnian friends, especially the female ones, yeah. they were learning Spanish. They were yep. speaking Spanish. Correct. I don't know if you remember that. Like yeah. yep. they were speaking Spanish. And, and and to me, I was like, bro, what's up with that? Why aren't they learning French or Lingala? <laughs> yeah. Why are you trying to speak Spanish? Yeah. I guess I guess the, the Spanish boys were more attractive. Yep. I don't know, but <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, bro, like why are you speaking Spanish right now? But anyways, yeah. but th that was the thing so and then we we all went we moved on right it was fifth grade so we we all yeah. went to different schools after that for middle school i know christopher christopher and i ended up at mclaughlin um for a little bit and then you went to hillside correct right? yeah yeah I yeah went to and so how was that like as you continue to obviously learn the language yeah. develop and move forward in your learning and stuff like how did you guys find your grounding like it, it, in, in sense of your identity too right because like the world around us was very different but this was our new home so how did you find your identity as you as you continue to move on oh man for me uh mclaughlin being a predominantly white school it was i mean you can attest to it you were there 100 um, we, we were we were we were taken from a place where we fit in uh, with with a bunch of different minorities, and and we just got dropped there, and it was it was a tough reality to kind of kind of 
wake up real quick and, and trying to fit in at the same time. Um, as a, as, as a kid, you're just like, you know, you just got to roll with the punches, you know? Right. And one of the thing happened for you was you were out of EL by the time you went to McLaughlin. Yep. I stayed in EL. So yeah. I, I went from sixth grade to another EL program. And the difference probably for me was I was still segregated with mostly other immigrant kids in sixth yeah. grade where Christopher was kind of thrown in with everybody else, yep. mm-hmm. you know? And for me, um, I, I took pride in, uh, in my ability to, to learn English um, and, you know, taking away my accent little by little. And even now, a lot of people tell me, oh, you know, you speak very good English. And I'm like, well, you know, you shouldn't, you shouldn't assume that, you know. Right, right. um, (laughs) Well, they they mean that by not hearing your accent, right? right. They don't, they don't hear an accent. uh, But, but sometimes, you know, I struggle with words here and there and, and, you know, trying to translate something from Spanish into English or or vice versa, you know, like it's, it's a little different, man. And, and after leaving McLaughlin, um, I was only I was only at McLaughlin for for two years, and then I ended up going to. Uh, I think I went to Hillside, and you know that was that was a little bit more diverse. And there, I, I definitely felt a lot more comfortable, you know, with my surroundings. Like Jimbo was there. Jimbo, tell know. me about your experience because yeah. that's where you ended up. Yeah, you ended so. up going to this middle school called Hillside, where yeah. it was it was a little bit more diverse. They were sending a lot of. El students because yeah. it was like a, a magnet El Correct. middle school. Yeah, oh, it, it was it was extremely diverse. Yeah, so back then they they call it ESL mm-hmm. uh, English as a second language, mm-hmm. and the classes felt like back at beach. You know, uh, you know, you had next to you. I think in a class of twenty five, maybe you know eight or Spanish speaking and the rest, you know, could have been Sudanese, could have been Bosnian, you know, could have been from different parts of the world because then we had a girl that was, that was uh, French Canadian, mm-hmm. you know, spoke no word of English, you know, she we speaking French to us, we'd be replying back in Spanish, <laughs> you know, but being out there, I was in ELL for, so I normally you do three years, right? middle school, I ended up doing four years. Um, and that was, and I, I, to this day, I'm still feeling very thankful to a uh, teacher, uh, Patrick O'Neill, uh, who on my eighth grade year, um, I was getting ready to graduate, move on with my friends. And even though my, my you know, English skills weren't, you know, I, I wouldn't feel comfortable with them, you know, just being able to write, you know, read or even speak English, you know, back then. And, and he thought up the idea of why don't you repeat, you know, a year of eighth grade, you know, you're, you're still, you know, within the age range. Right. Um, and do another year eighth grade, but this time do it mainstream classes, just non ELL classes. Mm. And I looked at him, I was like, you must be crazy. You know, I want to graduate. I want to move on with my friends. Right. And I thought about it, you know, and my parents, you know, my mom back then, you know, thought about it. like, you know, I, I think we'll be better off. And till this day, I, I truly am thankful because I was able to accept a new challenge. And that is being put in a class where I wasn't going to receive as much help as I was. Right. You know, and um, one of the most memorable things that I do recall from that experience is I was in a class, a science class, and that was about first month into school. And the teacher gave us an assignment and here you go, you do it, you know, read it and stuff. And I couldn't read the assignment um, because I, you know, it's just my reading comprehension wasn't up to, you know, their expectations. 
And the teacher in front of everybody else says, well, uh, Jim, if you're not able to read the assignments, maybe you should be going back to ELL. Wow. In, in front of the whole class. I mean, yeah. you can't really tell when I'm blushing, yeah. but I, I was I was red. And I, I felt embarrassed. And, you know, I, you know, and many people will take that and, you know, and they were like, I'm leaving. Right. I'm never coming back. And, you know, I really felt hurt at that point, but I took that as a challenge. And I'd never forgotten that. You know, how, I, how did you feel at that moment? Like, I, I, I just wanted to, I wanted to fly away. I wow. sank in my seat. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my feet were numb, to be honest, because I'd never been called out, you know, like that, you know, yeah. 14 years old, 13 years old, you know, and I, I still remember him saying that. And, um, but like I said, I, I took it as a challenge more than not. And I, I believe I ended up passing this class with the B, B, B plus. Wow. You know, I, that, that's true redemption right there, yeah. man. And, and I go back once in a while and I, I believe he's still teaching now and he sees me now and I don't think he remembers. Right. <laughs> what he said right. It was probably such a fast pace where he, he didn't even get what that meant. Correct. And he was in the tune and how that was going to impact you. Yeah. Um, it's funny that you say that because I actually had a, a similar experience, but it was at my church. Yeah. I was um, in, in sixth grade EL and they were planning this Mother's Day thing. Yeah. And part of that, the youth group kids had to um, read different stuff for a video they were making. And I was, and I started to feel very like anxious. I was like, man, how am I going to do this? You know, we're reading out loud. They have like a prompt. And when it was my turn, I wasn't flowing as quickly as everybody else. Mind you, I've only been, at that point, I've only been in the States for two years. Yeah. So then the guy who was facilitating uh, the the video he goes come on dale what do you you can't read or something come on dude, let's go let's wow. go dale read it off come on oh boy and it, it was like a knife <laughs> in my heart bro i just i just left i just that that night i just left yeah i felt so embarrassed because my church was predominantly people that have been here yeah. for a long time so I, my family was the only immigrant family so when that happened oh man Man, that crushed me. I, I just left and I felt so embarrassed. I was like, man, I couldn't, I couldn't even read. I couldn't even read this. They called me out. Um, but it's part of the journey, right? You're Absolutely. assimilating to a new community, a new environment. Academically, you know, in terms of reading and writing, it takes time, especially if English wasn't the language that you were brought up in. Um, so experiences like that, man, I, I can only imagine. But for you, it, you took that as a as a way um, of saying, yo, I'm going to work on it. I'm going to get better. But the fact that you stayed on the class, man, I, I give you kudos for that. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to fast forward a little bit. So uh, we end up, you know, going in high school and getting being involved in high school. And then uh, we all had different pathways um, that we moved on with. Um, I'm, I'm curious to know a little bit more about like what career pathways that you guys took and why was that? So Chris, I want to start with you because I know that, you know, you, you committed your time to serve our country. So first of all, I want to say thank you so much thank for you. doing that, man. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. What made you pursue that path? Man. So for me, um, ever, ever since, I was young, ever since I could remember, since probably since like the sixth grade, I would always see those commercials, um, um, the those Marine commercials, and you would see them, you know, with their rifles and everything, and their very pristine uniforms, and and to me that was something that really stood out to me. I'm always I'm always the type of person that wants to help other people, and and I know you guys could attest to that. Um, so to me that that was a way of you know helping people you know and, and 
you know, we went through 9-11 and everything. I, I can remember that as clear as day. And I ended up joining. And, and of course, a lot of, a lot of the, the people that joined uh, right after high school, you know, we were, we were still in Iraq, um, moving into Afghanistan also. What did we want to do? We wanted, we wanted to go overseas and, and, and fight the war, you know, uh, serve our country, you know. And uh, for me, now, now looking back on it, I don't regret any, any, uh, any part of it. I don't. Um, and h- how long did you serve for? Six years. I, I served six years. Um, out of those six years, I wanted, I applied to go to, uh, to a deployment at least three times. Um, oh, got, wow. de- got denied every single time. And, and the last time that I was denied, one of my best friends, uh, went, in instead of me and when he came back he was not the same Mm. so i I thank god and and that you know i was i was not in his place because um you know it to me it was it wasn't meant to be for me to to go over there and and fight a war that you know that i probably did not have a place in right now and and not not to get like too political or anything but it it's something that i look i look back on it now and it's a lot of stuff that i don't i don't believe in i don't agree with right. you know we were fighting these wars that that you know they're they're just they're it's a bunch of boys going out to war and and right. dying you know for 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 what Right. I, I am curious to know a little bit about the skill set that you were able to acquire by being a serviceman for, for six years, man. That's, that's a substantial amount of time that you gave. Um, so my my job in the Marine Corps, I was initially I was a cook um, yeah. and then I ended up um, doing uh, supplies and logistic, all that kind of stuff. So that kind of as I was transitioning on my way out, you know, I kind of took those skills and started to translate them into the civilian world, you know, mm. and that was, that was very, it was difficult. I mean, the Marine Corps physically, it took, it took a lot out of me before I got out. Um, I had, you know, back problems that I'm still dealing with to this day, my shoulder, my, my right knee, I had to get surgery before I even got out. Um, so it, it definitely, Something like that definitely does take a, a toll in your body. It ages you a, a, a lot quicker than you than you would expect. But the the kind of brotherhood and everything that that you build there, um, I, I miss it to this very day. Like, oh, man. I'm always I'm always talking to to some of the guys that are still in, and I'm like, man, like I, I wish I could go back, but you know, like. I'm, I'm an old, I'm an old dog now. For like sure, for sure, man. Well, th- thank you again, and thank you for sharing that. And then, Jimbo, I, I, you've had a different path, but a, a also very service related path, yeah. right? In in the paramedic and firefighting, and I would yeah. love to hear your journey on that. Yeah. So, um, out of high school, I actually uh, my original plan was to go on play, you know, college football, and and you know, move on to that, you know, to that level, and. Um, I, after a while, my, my grades, you know, weren't, weren't, uh, suiting for some of the colleges that I was applying to. And, and the other thing too, you know, we don't have the type of money to go to school. So I talked to a couple mentors and, um, and someone had mentioned, why don't you become a police officer? 
I was like, wow, you know, that's something that's, you know, it's, it's cool, you know, but it's, you know, why don't, you know, okay, why don't you become a fireman? I was like, okay, that's, that sounds pretty cool. So after a while, I did a couple of ride-alongs and, you know, it was something I was interested in. And I ended up going to Lakes Region Community College up in Laconia, New Hampshire, and I got an associate's degree in fire science. Um, I volunteered um, out in, you know, various towns throughout the state of New Hampshire, um, getting, you know, the experience needed to, you know, become a full-time fireman. Um, but as I found out, it's a very, very competitive field uh, for you to get into. Um, if you don't have all the prerequisites that you need for a job like that, you know, it's, it's very hard because it's, it's a lot of candidates out there that are, you know, very highly qualified. Um, so I, what I did is I, I continue on working part-time. I worked in a small town in Vermont uh, called Windsor, and I worked there for a year working in an ambulance as a firefighter as well, EMT, and, you know, I opened my eyes up a little bit more. And, you know, while I waited, you know, I, I got the chance to come back here to Manchester and work as a fireman here. And I've been... Hold on, hold on. Before you get to that, let's talk about that transition because th that's... You know, I don't want you to minimize, you know, the length of time that it took you before you got that opportunity yeah. to join an actual fire department and get the entire package as a firefighter. Yeah. You know? So in, in that journey, it, so it took me, uh, it took me to become a full fireman. Uh, it took me a year, mm -hmm. you know, obviously for various classes to become an EMT certified, uh, nationally certified, took me a year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, I failed a class, you know. Multiple times. It's a very difficult class. If you don't devote to that, I'm, I'm, you know, God bless you if you pass the first time. It's very right. difficult. And then after that, I, I worked for the city uh, as a bus driver. I got my CDL, mm -hmm. you know. So all of that in total took about almost two and a half years. And then I applied for Manchester. I took the test and everything, and that took two and a half years. So in reality, I started back when I was like 19 mm -hmm. or 20. Yeah. And I didn't get hired till I was 25. Wow. wow. So, <laughs> so, so that's, that's a, almost a six to seven year process before yeah. you, got, you got that opportunity. Correct. So I applied and, you know, obviously I was towards the end of the, you know, um, application process. Mm -hmm. And I thought about leaving the state. You know, I thought about moving to Massachusetts or even further down. Finding you know? other opportunities somewhere Absolutely. else, right? I, yeah. They, I applied to Charlotte, North Carolina. I didn't pass. I got a letter sent. You are a candidate, 1,532. Wow. Uh, out of 5,300 and something. <laughs> That's when I really got to find. I was like, okay, maybe I should go back to school. Yeah. You know. You so know, what made you still persevere through? Because we know each other very well. And, yeah. And I was there when that process was happening through. And what made you just like not give up, man? Because the reality is when things like that happens, it's so easy for us to just give up. But you, you, you never give up, man. Dale, you know, it's, it's a couple of things. And, you know, one, it's just there, there's nothing good in getting something too easy. Mm. You know, let's just, just be real, you know. And I knew the rewarding factor of me becoming a fireman, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're truly something that, you know, money can't define, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, and the other thing, too, is, is if I've come this far, you know, I can't, I can't just give up. You know, not just for myself, but for my family. Yeah, you devoted six years of your life on this. Absolutely. That's, you know, and, and my family, you know, um, was behind me the whole entire way. Didn't, you know, no matter what. And it just, for me to give up halfway or just almost right there, it would have been a huge disappointment, you know, not only for myself, you know, but I wanted us 
to strive, you know what I mean? I wanted my family to feel, you know, like oh, we can definitely do this. Mm. You know, it's chasing that American dream. And, you know, that's part of it. You know, it's, it's persevering. It's just not, you know, being content with what you have. You know, it's getting a little bit more. Because essentially you had to start from the ground. We've all kind of had Absolutely. to start from the ground. There wasn't a lot of cushion room to be like, oh, hey, here's some, here's some cushion effort. Yep. Yeah. Go do it. Here's, no, it was always. a bit of space for you. No. Yeah. But I, I want to mention Jim, Jimbo says since we first met him in fifth grade, he, he would say, I'm going to become <laughs> a firefighter one day. Yeah. And when he told me he became a firefighter, I, I had so much pride like I, I started crying. I started mm, crying. It's like, incredible. Thank you. No, I. So, so Jim and I are super involved in, in the community. That's a different. This is a different podcast. But we've served together in this organization called Bring It for many years. And throughout that whole transition of all those different stuff that was happening with his life, he was still serving in the community. And, yeah. um, and I just want to say that um, your your both of you guys' effort and energy and commitment that you've made to get to where you are now is is, is, is such an inspiration for so many people, it's such an inspiration for our community, but also for people that are going to hear this story. Um, so I would love to have you guys come back again and we'll do a, a different a different interview. Absolutely. But if, if someone's listening to this, right, uh, either I call them either the key holders or the receivers. So the key holders are people that are the influencer, right? Managers, boss, directors, business owners, right? Like teachers, um, principals. Um, what would you like them to know about people like us, right? That are in their in their schools, right? Like that are um, that are starting from scratch, that are immigrants that came here and and are trying, right? Or a, a manager or a boss is trying to hire someone, and someone shows up in their list, and they're like, "Oh, is this person going to really fit into our community?" What would you want them to know about us, right? And then, so that's part one. And then part two is students, you know, people in our community, people in different communities that are, that are listening to this, that, that might be on the grind and are about to give up or they don't know what that next path would be. What would you like to say to them to encourage them? Oh, man, for, for the bosses and everything. Like, don't, the key holders. Don't, the, the, the key holders, those people that, that, you know, that they think, and in our minds sometimes, you know, they have the key to our future. But in reality, we have the key to our future ourselves. Mm. You know, we, we got to have cool. that. And, and you can't take no for an answer. You know, like, um, example, myself, you know, I, I started going back to school um, just a year ago. And, and I put it in my mind, you know, I'm going to go I'm going to go to Emerson College. I'm going to go to film school. I'm 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 done working for everybody else. And, and you know, not being happy while I'm doing it. Yes, I'm making money, but am I happy doing this? No, I wasn't. Not one bit. And, and you know, th this past year, it's been a struggle. You know, I've had, I, I have two kids, you know, I have a fiance and everything, trying to do that work, life balance, and, and you know, going to school. <laughs> and and when it came down to it, I got accepted, you know. And, and Congrats, uh, man. That's a, then, that's a big deal. And then, uh, a hurdle came, you know, and the VA told me, you know, um, we're not going to be able to fund this, you know, and, and when I found that out, it was just such a, a, a great blow to me that that I just I wanted to quit, mm. you know, and and something in the back of my mind was was telling me, you know, how bad do you want this? Yeah. How bad do you really want this? So so I spoke to the school, you know, they they waived the enrollment fees and everything and, and 
you know, I kept going through with the process, even though I was being told, you know, we're, we're not going to do this for you. You this is a, as far as you've come. I told myself, no, I'm not going to take no for an answer. I'm, I've come this far. I'm going to get even further. And a couple of weeks after that, you know, everything was approved. So here I am next semester. I'm I'm going to film school and. You know, I, I'm doing collaborations with uh, with Taisha. I'm, mm. I'm, you know, I'm certainly would love to do some collaboration with you. I, I've been speaking to Jim about yeah. about doing some things also. So, you know, as as a kid out there, you know, you're in school now. Like, don't don't let anybody tell you no. Don't let anybody tell you you're not good enough. Because me, as a a ten year old Puerto Rican kid coming into this country. I was I was put off to the side and, and people told me, you know, they have these expectations of you and, and this is as far as you're going to get. No, um, I would I personally never expected to get this far. And and now I, I know I'm going to get even further than I ever thought. That's amazing. And you're just starting. I'm just let's I'm just go. <laughs> what, what about you, Jim? So I. You know, for the young the young ones out there, um, you know what? And I was talking um, to someone earlier, um, just the thought of this too. Um, when we were in middle school, high school, you know, we didn't have uh, these guidance that we can have today. You know, right. and and you know, in a thought, you know, I'm the one that's leading the way for anybody else that wants to become a fireman because just looking at it and to me that's 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 something amazing you know what i and mean and you're currently and the only person of color in in your department right in the city of manchester wow um and i you know i just to think about it too i think i'm one of two in the state of new hampshire full-time career wow you so know, let that sink in one of two in the entire state yeah so i think i'm the only hispanic <laughs> bilingual yeah you, yeah you were <laughs> i remember i remember you were the first the yeah. first hispanic firefighter in the state of new hampshire like that's yeah so you know you know why and for anybody out there man you know just don't stop just don't stop you got to keep going because you know the battles that that you're coming up against now it's what's gonna truly make it even worth it at the end you know and and seek guidance from those you know that can relate to you and been there before you know because if i were to talk to somebody now and, and be like hey look don't do it that way do it this way you know i who, who knows where i could have been you know what i mean and, and that's truly it as well and for those holding the key as well you know we got to grow and we got to grow together you know unfortunately you know i i see a lot of people out there that have the opportunity you know to pass knowledge onto others and they don't you know because they want to possess that you know if you have that type of position you know and that type of power you gotta we gotta grow together in this you know especially in a community like manchester you know we're only you know growing in this immigrant city in reality because it's that's what made manchester you know that's where the city comes from you know and that's what made this country absolutely you know Absolutely. Guys, I am super, super, so excited for this conversation. Just could have gone on forever. Oh, yeah. I'm so no excited kidding. to have you guys back again. And thank you so much for being on the podcast, Persevere to Excel. Please subscribe on Spotify, iTunes, SoundCloud. Thank you guys so much. Persevere to Excel. Go get it. Bow.